0: Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. It's now the time, everybody has been waiting for our FOMO report, yes, for for our fear of missing out report for today. We bring a few things that you may not have heard about if you only watch leftist media. Such things like Monty Python alum has had it with wokeism, the death of creativity. Now, Virginia Cruda uh, said on July 20th that Monty Python alumnus John Cleese made it clear that he was not impressed with woke culture during a recent interview with Fox News, complaining that it was not only the death of comedy but the death of creativity as well. Cleese, who's actually 82 at this point, was a keynote speaker at last week's Freedom Fest in Las Vegas. And he empathetically declared that comedians no longer really had the freedom to be funny. Quote, there's always been limitations on what they're allowed to say. Why you go to Moliere and and Louis XIV. I mean, Moliere had to be a, a bit careful, and there will always be limitations, Cleets explained. I mean, in England, until some ridiculous late date like 1965 or something, all plays had to be submitted to what used to be a part of the palace called the Lord Chamberlain. And he would read it, and there were hilarious hilarious letters used to go back uh was saying that you may only say the f word once and this sort of expletive and you cannot say bugger (laughs) i guess we just did on this podcast but you can say another expletive (laughs) and this sort of ridiculous negotiating letters cleese went on to say that the real problem was not that people were losing the freedom to be funny but they were losing the freedom to create anything at all because they had the the second they had to second guess everything before saying anything publicly. "Quote, I think it's particularly worrying at the moment because you can only create in an atmosphere of freedom where you're not checking anything you say critically before you move on," he said. "What you are having to be able to do is to build without knowing where you're going because You've never been there before. That's the create that that's what creativity is. You have to be allowed to build. And a lot of comedians now are sitting there, and when they think of something, they say something like, Can I get away with it? I, I don't think so. So and so got in trouble, and he said that, oh, he, he she said that. Um you see what I mean and that's the death of creativity. He also says, so I I would say at the moment, this is a difficult time, particularly for young comedians, but you see, my audience is much older, and they're simply not interested in most of the woke attitudes. I mean, they just think that you should try to be kind to people, and there's no need to complicate it, you know? Cleese added, knowing that the problem didn't Uh, impact him personally quite as much as it did the younger and -and up-and-coming comedians. He also says that you can do the, the creation and then criticize it, but you can't do them at the same time. So if you're worried about offending people and constantly thinking of that, you're not going to be very creative. So I think it has a disastrous effect. Cleese went on to say that While he didn't believe any comedian should be canceled for telling a joke that someone else found to be offensive, there was certainly some room for comedians themselves to tailor their jokes to certain audiences out of a sense of decorum. He said, if you go to a Republican convention and tell anti-Democrat jokes, you'll get a very good response. (laughs) If you tell an anti-Republican joke, you won't. So you've got to fit the material to some to tell to some extent to your audience, and that's part of it. He explained if you go to see your your granny and 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 to have tea with her and and you don't start telling her sex you, you just don't start telling her sex jokes now that's not because it's illegal it's just bad manners <laughs> Do you hear a little bit of common sense well uncommon sense here? I mean it is interesting to me that conservatives are always considered the enemy of creativity. I you know I mean the the whole point of of many uh, of, of the that that spout this kind of lie is that boy you know it's it's the liberals that create everything if it was up to conservatives uh, it was up to republicans whatever that that everything would just look the same and staunch and, and you know gray and you know all this kind of stuff right? But that's not really the case. In fact, it's kind of the opposite. I mean, conservatives have an attitude of, hey, just leave me alone to do my thing and get out of my way, government. And, and what does the, the leftist viewpoint say? Well, everybody's got to be the same. Everybody's got to make the same. Everybody's got to be treated the same. Everybody's got to be, everything's got to be exactly the same. You can't say anything different. You can't think anything different. Nothing can be different from anyone else. And that's the death of creativity. Political correctness shows up when common sense dies. It's true. When you, when, when common sense would just like he was saying, um, that it's just bad manners to do things. It doesn't have to be illegal, it's just bad manners to do things. When 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 that common sense, that, that idea that you can you can look at and, and, and um take into account your audience when you say something, well, when that dies, that's when political correctness steps in. Because that's when you have to be told what you can say and what you can think. Liberals liberals say they are for diversity and individuality, but in reality. They just want everything to be the same. And that is unfortunate. Well, more pronouns, less recruits. (laughs) That is what they're saying because the U.S. military is facing unprecedented recruiting crisis under Biden. In a a news story from the Daily Wire, says the U.S. military is facing an unprecedented recruiting crisis under Democratic President Joe Biden that is forcing it to drastically cut forecasts for the number of new recruits that it uh, expects to bring into the armed forces. The news comes as war uh, has broken out in Europe between Russia and Ukraine, and China is increasingly acting hostile toward Taiwan. Both situations risk spiraling out of control and could end up with the United States being dragged into war. The Associated Press reported that U.S. military officials said this week that they will be 10,000 recruits short this year, and next year is projected to be even worse. The report said that Army General Joseph Martin, Vice Chief of Staff of the Army, indicated that military, the, the military branch could be down to 445,000 soldiers by the end of the year, down from what it was hoping would be 476,000 soldiers by the end of the year. The report said that With the majority of the current fiscal year already gone, the Army has only met 50% of its recruiting goal. Dr. Mark T. Esper, who was the Secretary of Defense during the Trump administration, said that this was a major issue affecting all the armed services. The answer is not lower standards. Quality must be paramount, he wrote on Twitter. Rather, we need to sustain efforts by American leaders to inspire our youth to serve. This is a growing national security issue. And Martin tried to suggest that competition with private companies was a significant factor with the military recruiting struggles and said that if the trend is not reversed, the military would have to reconfigure things to be able to meet the challenges that it faces on the battlefield. Top political commentators responded to the report by suggesting that the wokeness that has spread to the armed services under Biden has played a major factor in people not wanting to join. (laughs) Why wouldn't it? Um, Maybe it's better having a country that inspires patriots to defend it rather than one that makes them want to throw up. (laughs) And this was a quote by national security expert David Reboy. Um, Political strategist Arthur Schwartz responded to the report by writing, more more pronouns, less recruits. (laughs) That's that's pretty succinct. I like it. The U.S. military has increasingly pushed LGBTQ, and then IA, hashtag, sign, whatever, ideas since Biden took office. Days before being sworn into office, Biden tapped transgender four-star admiral, Rachel Levine to uh, be the Department of Health and Human Services Assistant Secretary for uh, for Health. Levine became the first transgender federal official confirmed by the Senate. And in May of 2021, that's just last year, the Army uh, targeted recruits with the LGBTQ animated ad that shows a child of two mothers growing up defending freedom, as they put it, by marching in pride parades before joining the U.S. Army to shatter stereotypes, as they put it. Just last month, actually, the U.S. Uh, Marines and U.S. Air Force joined the Pride Month virtue signaling with tweets celebrating LGBTQ lifestyles. So let me say this. Li- yeah, you have to listen. I-, I have all the respect in the world for our armed services, I was never able uh, to go in, um, and and I've spoken a little bit about that. Um, but I have all the respect in the world for those who have given parts of their lives, or even given their entire lives, uh, for us and what we have here in this country. Um, job the the job of the military. I I, I love this quote from Rush Limbaugh. The job of the military is to kill people and break things. <laughs> it's, it really is that simple, isn't it? I mean, we, we, we want to make the army into all these different things, but when it all boils down to the end, the job of the military is to kill people and to break things and do that so that, you know we, we end up uh, having, having peace really in in the long run. It's what it's not about is it's not about social engineering. We, we, we can't make them into guinea pigs um, because we think that we want this particular type of society or whatever. Um, it, it, that's not their job. And And just like the police, why would you sign up for this kind of thing? I mean, seriously, why in the world would you sign up to be in the military? It's, it's not, it's, it's a little bit dumb, dumbfounding to me because like the police, there's, there's no respect for it. The, the, what's, other than the fact that you have a patriotic uh, pride in, in your country and you want to defend it and, and, and all the good things like that, why would you ever be a policeman anymore? Why would you ever go join the military if it's going to be like this? And and, and why do we want a military That can't graduate high school. I mean, they've lowered the standards because they can't get anybody in. They're saying, "Okay, fine. Uh, You know, if you if you can't even get a GED, that's fine. We don't care. We we don't we we just want a a warm body." Well, is that the type of people we want defending this nation? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And we also see here in this article, Ford plans to cut eight thousand jobs so it can fund EV push. This comes out as a, as a report that Zach Jewell uh, reported on. He said that Michigan auto giant Ford is planning on laying off up to 8,000 workers to help the company fund its electrical vehicle projects, according to Wednesday's report from Bloomberg. The cuts, though still pending, are expected to be implemented in the coming week and will affect salaried workers, as well as automakers' new Ford Blue unit that was created in March to oversee internal combustion engine operations, the Bloomberg uh, report said. To deliver our Ford Plus transformation and lead this exciting and disruptive new (laughs) era uh, of electric and connected vehicles, we, recommend, we remain focused on reshaping our work and, rec- and modernizing our organization across all auto- automotive business units and across the company. This was a Ford spokesman, T.R. Reid said, adding that as part of this, we have laid out clear targets to lower our cost structure to ensure we are lean and fully competitive with the best in the industry. Now, while Ford did not comment on the report uh, of the upcoming layoffs, the company has a meeting scheduled uh, for Thursday where it is expected to update uh, shareholders on the future of EV production. The company wants to reach 600,000 EVs produced in the next year and 2 million EVs or electric vehicles by 2026. The Bloomberg report flies in the face of a June announcement from Michigan Democratic uh, Governor Gretchen Whitmer, uh, you know, not a rocket scientist, but uh, when she celebrated Ford's $2 billion investment to create over 30,000, or I'm sorry, 3,000 jobs in the state uh, related to the EV productions. But it doesn't look like that's going to happen, right? Quote, we are thrilled that Ford is a, is advancing its long legacy in Michigan by uh, uh, investing $2 billion to create 3,200 good-paying A W jobs. Today's announcement marks another historic economic win for the state in recent months and will help our economy grow even stronger, the governor said back in, in June. I'm proud that we came together to deliver economic development legislation that has helped us land huge projects, creating thousands of jobs, Whitmer added. With this announcement, Michigan has added nearly 25,000 jobs, auto jobs, since I took office, and we continue to lead the future in mobility and in, in electrification. She's a piece of work, let me tell you. According to the governor's office, Ford's multi-billion dollar investment ensures future opportunities for EV manufacturing and that type of thing. But in March, Ford admitted that its EV project would not be profitable until at least 2026, when, when its next generation models come out. Now, Ford CEO Jim Farley also said at a conference in February that EV portfolios were, um, quote, under-earning, unquote, and that the company had too many people, as he put it. So this is the problem with government-pushed things. There is just no market for them. I mean, if there was a market for something, then guess what? We live in a capitalistic society. And that means that where there's a need, where there's a want, then somebody's going to fill that need and fill that want. They're going to make something that's going to just, you know, solve the issue and people are going to pay for it because it's a need or a want. The problem is, is that when there are things that people don't really need and don't really want, but the government thinks we should have then they start pushing those things with our taxpayer dollars they start subsidizing them and they start you know mandating that we buy them and nothing else and and we phase out of other things that we really do want and need so the problem is that that when the government pushes things there's just simply no market for them and so they have to keep pushing for it they have to keep pushing for it Uh, if you look look at, at solar energy for instance you know, there's there's a, a there's some want and there's some need there for that, but the problem is is that the technology for it does not exist to make it affordable for people, or long longer lasting, or whatever the case may be. It's just not there, and so the the, the government pushes it. The government pushes it and tries to close you know our, our other electrical plants, um, whether they be you know nu- uh, nuclear or or uh, you know fossil fuel based uh, plants. And and so and we trying to get us to rely on wind power and things like this, which is just not sustainable. It's just not going to happen at this point. But they want to push it. They want to push it. And it's just not going to happen. Biden's goal of 50 percent EVs by 2030. I mean, we're talking eight years away. Half the vehicles on the road are not going to be electric vehicles in eight years. That's just that's just ridiculous. I mean, the supply and the demand is capitalism, and it's been successful everywhere it's tried. We should rely on that. Let's not force things through our government and our taxpayer dollars. And 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 here's another interesting thing. You know, we they're forcing us to try to go to these EVs. And yet, did you see the news the other day where California is calling for all EV owners to park their cars until they have more electricity? <laughs> yeah yeah. i mean the, the electrical grid in california is is really bad and they're looking at possibly brownouts and all that kind of stuff because people are using their air conditioners and whatnot and here they are they're 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 saying oh well, yeah we we're wanting you to to use your electric vehicle but oh yeah don't use your electric vehicle because we don't have enough electricity doesn't make a lot of sense right and speaking of not making a lot of sense, here's David Hogg. <laughs> you maybe remember him. And he explodes, actually, during congressional hearings, and he gets forcibly removed by security. Ryan Salvandra uh, reports that far-left anti-gun activist David Hogg erupted during a congressional hearing Wednesday on gun control and was physically removed by security. Hogg's outburst came as a Democratic-controlled House um, ju- uh, Judiciary Committee debated legislation to ban semi-automatic long guns. Quote, you are re- reiterating the points of mass shooters in your manifesto. The, the, the shooter in my high school, anti-Semitic, anti-black and, and racist, fumed, uh, at one of his uh, uh, lawmakers that he, he was actually in the committee. He was been in, had been invited by uh, some Democrats. And he just stood up in the middle of it all and started shouting, uh, the shooter in El Paso described it as an invasion. Guess what? Those guns are coming from the U S United States of America. He, he shouted some more there. They aren't coming from Mexico. They're not coming from Mexico. You are reiterating the points of, of a mass shooter, sir, sir. You are pre, um, you are perpetuating violence. You need to stop these things now. <laughs> Hogg was one of the students, of course, um, attending uh, Marjory Ston- Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, during the Valentine's Day shooting of 2018. The uh, the lawmaker who Hogg interrupted was Republican Andy Biggs. He's a uh, he's a representative from. Uh, Arizona. And he responded to Hogg's outburst later Monday night during the appearance on Fox News and Tucker Carlson uh, Tonight Show. Uh, so I found it interesting, he says, that we were making you know, you know, people could disagree with the point you're making, but it was kind of a logical one, Carlson said. He, he didn't respond to a single point and just started screaming about racism. I, am I missing something? Carlson asked. Is that what it is? It was. And here's what Biggs responded with. He says, yeah, that's exactly what it was. I mean, he's, he's saying that I'm a terrorist manifesto toten conspiracy nut. And the reality is he's all, he's all he wants is all he wants is to get on TV and he wants to advocate for a nutty position. As a member of as a number of us raised, he interrupted our proceedings, and Democrats have said if you interrupt a congressional proceeding, that's the definition of insurrection, and so the police had to take him out. He was invited there by Democrats, and that that's what I was informed. And yet, where is that January 6th committee when you need them? <laughs> Oh yeah. It, it, it got pretty nutty and they're, they're actually, you can actually see video of this. Um, this, this guy, he is a very angry man. Uh, hog is just, a, and he's been a very angry kid and now he's a very angry man. And, and, and I wouldn't trust him with a gun if it, if my life depended on it, he's, he's just, he's, he's just not a pleasant individual. Now uh, the funny thing is that if, There had been a teacher or an administrator with a concealed carry weapon at a school. Well, it it would have probably ended a little differently, you know, and yet what does he do? He's trying to, his goal is to get rid of all guns in this country. So now that that he has interrupted these congressional hearings, do you think that there will be a hearing for the July 18th insurrection? (laughs) I kind of doubt it, don't you? (laughs) <laughs> so, so let's, let's uh, end things here with this one. Uh, let's go a little lighter note uh, and, and staying with the gun theme. AR-15s and AK-47 r- rifle sales surge to 24 million. That's more than Ford F, uh, F-150s on the road. Uh, this is a report out of the Washington Examiner. And, and it says that the, the most popular firearm in America continues to roll out of gun stores in record numbers. According to new data released on the day a House committee is considering a ban on the gun, the number of AR-15s and AK-47 style modern sporting rifles surged to 24.4 million. Yeah, that's what I said. The industry trade group National Shooting Sports Foundation said that it is more than all the Ford F-150s on the road. The pickup, of course, is America's most popular, and uh, there's more of them than any other pickup. The, uh, the group said that there have been 4.5 million sold since 2020. And we're talking about the guns now, right? When pre- this is when uh, President, of course, Joe Biden won in part with the promise to ban the guns, which he and liberals call assault weapons because they look but don't operate like military rifles. The semi-automatic guns have been in the the media's eye because they've been used in in some recent mass shootings and critics believe banning new sales of the guns will somehow end shootings. <laughs> That's kind of weird, right? However, banning sales clearly will not do anything about the millions of guns already used by people to, you know, who who like to just plink and and target shoot and hunt. And quote, "This is a truly significant figure that Uh, demonstrates, again, the popularity of this commonly owned style of rifle. This is what uh, the CEO and president of NSSF uh, said. Uh, The the firearm industry responds to uh, market demand, and this shows that during the elevated period of firearm sales that began in 2020, this particular style of rifle is the top choice of law-abiding citizens for hunting, recreational shooting, and self-defense. According to the NSSF, the gun is popular in part due to its accuracy, reliability, modularity, and low recoil. Now, some in the media have shifted their focus away from guns to the mental problems many mass shooters suffer from, and I think that's definitely more appropriate. Even the Associated Press urged the media to stop calling the rifles assault weapons, (laughs) though, though of course, major outlets, including the Washington Post and and the USA Today and things, things like this, continue to use the phrase. So, you know, I would just say this. Memo to Democrats keep promising to ban guns. Yeah, I mean, I am all in favor of these leftist liberals, um, promising to, to, to take away your guns. Uh, it, it's it, you know, O'Rourke down in, in Texas did that while he was running for president, and look where he's at, <laughs> he got slaughtered, uh, in, in, in the election. So it, it's not it's not helping their cause. If they keep promising to ban guns, it's only hurting their own selves. Um, might I say they're shooting themselves in the foot? I mean, this is just not, not something that, that is helping them. So I say to them, keep promising it. I mean, AR-15 sales are up 18% in the last two years. That's nutso, right? I mean, the fact that that there's that many of those weapons that have been purchased in just the last two years is a good thing. People are defending themselves. They ha- they they have the, the, the ability to defend themselves no matter what. Here, I mean, they, these are these are weapons that can definitely help you defend yourself. And now sales are skyrocketing amongst and and, and what I've seen amongst people that. Have never even owned a gun before, many of them, but now they understand that they need to because of democratic policies uh, when it comes to you know crime and 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 justice and that type of thing, as well as wanting to just you know get rid of these things. Uh, and, and what is an assault weapon anyway? They can't even define that. You can't define it as uh, you know something that repeats uh, when it shoots or what. All all Glock style uh, pistols do that. Semi-automatic does not make it an assault weapon, and with 24.4 million of these guns out there, how is banning them going to do any good in the first place? I mean, that, it it just doesn't make any sense. It's, there's no logic there whatsoever. It, it it definitely makes a government think twice, though, about taking a citizenry rights away when there's this kind of weapon, and that that's where our founding forefathers knew. And that's why they put the Second Amendment in there. And you may agree with that, you may disagree with that. And and I would definitely love to make this a discussion starter. You can do that at uncommonsensepodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is a production of Morganite Communications.